All right, all right, man, welcome. So glad to, to be here with you today. Man, I love just getting to see your faces and um, getting to worship in this space with you. If you're new to Ethos, welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us. And uh, if you're a regular, man, it's, it's just good to be with you today. Um, I am, uh, I'm so excited about this Advent season. If, uh, if you have never celebrated this, this season, you know, it's the, the Sunday right after Thanksgiving um, through up, leading up to Christmas Day. And man, it's, it's this time of, of celebration where we, we intentionally just thank God for what he's done for us through Jesus. I mean, just the, the fact that God would enter our story, that he would enter the world that he would create, the fact that he would die for the sins of the world, the fact that he would come and, and, and as the king of heaven and earth, man, he would lay down his life unto death. And so we come in the, into this Advent season and we celebrate and we, and we worship and we thank God for all that he's done through Jesus. Uh, man, but, but Advent is not just a, a season of celebration. It's a season of anticipation. And, you know, it's, it's an anticipation, you know, not just for, 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 grit, for gifts on Christmas morning. And, and it's anticipation not just for, for being with family and for having time off from work. And I love all of those things. No, this, this season of Advent is marked with an anticipation as we, as we wait for, for Christ to come and to fix all that's broken in our world. And it's, it's this anticipation of, of the day when, when all that is off is made right. And, and, and so right now we, we find ourselves in this in-between time where Christ came once and, and he brought salvation as the scripture from Hebrews 9 read this morning. And Christ came to, to forgive us of our sins, but we look around us and we realize that we are still in need of, a, of another return of Christ, another coming, the second coming. And so right now we find ourselves as God's people as we, we join in his work right now of, of, of working to fix the things that are broken in this world. You know, I was just thinking about as, as Christians, we, we are in this in-between time and, 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 and we don't just sit around and wait for Christ to return. No, we partner with Christ right now in what he's doing. It's the reason that we, we care for the poor and feed the hungry because we anticipate the day where there will no longer be hungry people among us, that, that there will no longer be people who are without, that it's the reason that we, we care for the sick right now. It's the reason nurses and doctors get into that profession. It's, it's working towards the ultimate healing that, that we'll fully experience in heaven. It's the reason that we defend the widows and the fatherless. It's, it's, it's the reason that we, that we work for justice, that we work towards restoration of all people in all things. And so we work hard with God right now to fix what's broken in the world, but we also live with this reality that it won't be fixed until Christ returns. That, that is, 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 as much as we work and as much, and it's what we're called to do, that, that there is a brokenness in this world that cannot be fixed until the second advent of Christ. And so we anticipate. And so my prayer for, for us as a church family this advent season is that we celebrate really well Man, that we have a, a new understanding of, of what it meant that uh, Emmanuel, that God is with us. But my, my, maybe my, my greater prayer for us this, this, this season of Advent is that the, the Maranatha prayer, the, the, the prayer of, of Lord Jesus come, would truly be the greatest longing in our hearts and in our lives. It wouldn't just be words from our mouth, but man, you, you pull back Tyler's heart and the thing that's there is the Maranatha cry that you pull back Tom's heart and more than spending time with family, that it's the, the desire, Christ return. Keegan, it's the, you pull back your, your heart and what you see is, is that this Maranatha cry, God return. 
And so my hope for us this, this season is, is, that, we, is that, that, that God just generates this, this stirring in our hearts for Christ to come back. You know, I love the, the, the stories that we're gonna be looking at this morning or the story that we're gonna be looking at this morning. In fact, I love all the stories surrounding the birth of Jesus, his, his first coming. And as I was praying and thinking this week about you know, how to kick off this, this, this season and this series of, of Advent as we look at the word hope, I was drawn to the story of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke chapter one. And I love this story because I think Zechariah and Elizabeth, they give us a really beautiful picture of what it looks like to wait well you know, as, as they were waiting well for, for Christ coming the first time, I think that this morning that as, as we look at Zechariah and Elizabeth, we take lessons, we take our cues, learning how to wait well for Christ in his second return. Someone real quick, turn to Romans chapter 15, verse four. Romans 15, verse four. Emma, will you read that when you get there? Sorry. Romans 15, verse four. Read that one more time. Yeah, I, I love that. Thanks, Emma. I love that verse. Um, everything that was written in the past in the scriptures is, is to encourage us. It's, it's written to give us perseverance. To, to keep longing for Christ. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to just kind of walk through this story, starting in Luke chapter one, verse one, and just point out a few things, and then we're going to break up into to groups and have just a time of prayer this morning for each other. And so Luke chapter one, starting in verse one, I think it's on page 714 if you're using one of our Bibles. Luke one, verse one, it says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. And I love this introduction. So the book of Luke, you know, we're not going to journey through this the whole Advent season, but today I just, I wanted us to see this because I think it's so important that, that Luke, who was a, a friend of Paul, he was a traveling companion of, of Paul's, and, and he sits down and he writes this account for this man named Theophilus. You know, all 24 chapters, he, he writes this account so that Theophilus will know Christ. And I was just drawn thinking about how long it must have taken to investigate, how many people he would have talked to, how many nights he would have stayed up, how much prayer he would have poured into to helping one person just live in this life with confidence. And I think that is so beautiful. I go, man, may God give us that same commitment. It's like, man, to, to, to do whatever it takes. Think about that person in your life that, man, they don't know Christ or they're wavering back and forth. And there was something that God was stirring up in Luke's heart that, that went, man, you know what? And no matter what it takes, I want you to know Christ. May God stir that up in us this season. Verse five gets into the story. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, I love that he sets it in history. This is a true story that actually happened. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Listen to this, verse six. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, 
observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Think about that. You know, is, is there actually anything that you want more than for this to be said of you? Man, that, that when God looks at you, he, he looks at you, Jessica, and, and he sees you as righteous. Like, is there anything that you actually want more that when, when the God of the universe who, who, who came in the flesh in Jesus, when he looks at you, he sees you as righteous, as, as forgiven, as loved, as holy, as saved. Is there anything truly that your heart wants more than that? And there might be some things that, you know, that, that are blocking that right now, but I'm just telling you right now, the longing of each of our hearts is, is, that, is that when God looks at us, that the thing that we want more than anything is that for God to look at us and go, man, they're righteous. I so often get distracted in this life. You guys never get distracted, but I do. I'm like driving to work from Mount Juliet and I'll see a new truck and I'm like, man, I wish I had that truck. Or, you know, I, I see someone who's, who's a pastor who's super smart and super funny. I'm like, man, I wish I was smarter funny. And, 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 and all the time, I'm just like, just seeing other people and, and seeing other things and going, man, I wish that I had that. But, but when I'm thinking clearly, what I deep down, what I really want in this life is just to be good with God. Like more than possessions, more than what people think about me is to live a life that actually pleases the Father's heart. It says that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in the sight of God. Keeps going, verse seven. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. A couple things here. It says they were childless. And, and I want us to see this because, you know, I think it's important, especially in the culture that we live in and with, with the enemy who's speaking and just uh, all the things that are going on, that, that Zechariah and Elizabeth's outward circumstances were not an indicator of how God saw them or how God felt about them. You know, have you ever looked at things that are just going awry in your life and thought, man, what did I do to frustrate God? And maybe you didn't like say it like that, but have you ever had those thoughts where, where just things are falling apart around you? And you're like, man, God, what did I do? Or maybe you've been praying this prayer for a long time and it hasn't come to pass and, and you start to look at your circumstances to try to make sense of, of what's going on between you and God. And I want us to understand this because we learned from Zechariah and Elizabeth that it's possible to actually be in great standing with God, to have great favor with God and not to be experiencing blessing or good desires of your heart on earth. You know, we're not told why they couldn't have a child, but we learn from them what to do when we have disappointment. When we have disappointment over the good and the pure, unmet desires that are in our hearts. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they go first, they pave the way, they show us what to do, that, that when, when we have pure and unmet desires in our heart that are good, that are, that are right, that are lovely, and they're not met, we learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth what to do. We serve the Lord. You know, we're gonna learn in verse 13 that, that Zechariah and Elizabeth didn't just ignore the desire in their heart to have a kid. You know, they had this desire and, and you come here today and you guys have good desires in your hearts. 
things of, of, of beauty, things to create, things to make this world a better place. You have desires in your heart that are, that are unmet. And I want you to understand this. Zechariah and Elizabeth didn't pretend like there wasn't this desire there. And they didn't just press it down and ignore it, but they also understood that they could get this thing that they wanted. And if they didn't have God, they would still be wanting. You see, while they wanted a child, they knew that nothing could take the place in their heart and their life like the Lord. Nothing. And we learn from them what to do when some things in life aren't turning out the way that we want. We serve him. I love that it says that, that, that they observed all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. And I think it's important that we understand that, that we don't serve God to get what we want. That's called manipulation. That's not called serving. We, we serve God because he satisfies us like nothing else can. Think about that in life, guys. Man, the, the, the joy, the, the thrill that you experience when, when you're locked in with God. Man, when, when, when you receive a word from the Lord, when, when you're encouraged by the Lord, when, 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 when God comes and comforts you in the midst of your pain and your heartache, there is nothing in this life that compares to what God can do in your heart and in your soul because he satisfies like nothing else in this life can. And if we learn anything from scripture, it's that, it's that we can possess all that the world has to offer, even good things. But if we don't have God in our lives, we will never be content. And Solomon might be the greatest example. Go and read about Solomon's life. <laughs> always searching, always looking, always trying to find something else. And, 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 he, and, and nothing satisfies like God. See, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they, they wanted a child. But what they wanted most was the Lord in their life. You see, and, and, and with their unmet desires, with, with, with getting things in this world, man, what they did is they pressed into the Lord. They searched the scriptures. Man, they were asking God, what do you want? What pleases you? And then they put those things into practice. And I love this. They were so wise. Zechariah and Elizabeth were such good examples. I, I can't wait to meet them in heaven. Think about what that's going to be like to meet them. That's right. The, the type of people that... that serve the Lord willingly and fully and not begrudgingly despite unmet earthly desires, I go, God, give that to us. And we may not have our dream jobs ever in this life. And we may not ever have money. We might not ever have status or fame. We might not ever get married or have children or see your grandchildren. We may struggle mentally and emotionally and physically, but may we serve the Lord willingly and fully knowing that that satisfies us like nothing these other things can. And I think Zechariah and Elizabeth, they, they show us three ways. I had to check that. I'm like, did I put four? Three things. Three ways that we serve the Lord. The first is that they search the scriptures diligently. It says that they observe the commands and decrees blamelessly. You know, it, it's impossible <laughs> to, to know the commands and decrees without searching them out. You don't keep God's commands blamelessly without being intentional, without seeking, without hungering. And I go, think about this. We research and we seek out things and we learn about things that are important to us. 
I remember when we had our, our first daughter when Finley was first born. There was a couple in our church and they had already raised their kids and they gave us this book called Bringing Up Girls. Amazing book. And I, and I devoured that book. I didn't know how to raise a girl. I'm not a girl. Like I don't know how to raise a girl, but I wanted to be a good dad to a girl. And I wanted to, to, to know how to, how to do things to, to cultivate her heart for the Lord and how to create a safe space. I wanted to have a good relationship as her father. And so I read this book and I put things into practice, things that I didn't know. And I researched and the same thing for, for my son. You know, I'm a boy, obviously. But I don't know everything there is to know about raising sons. And so I get these books, Wild at Heart, Fathered by God, reading how to, how to raise up boys to, to love the Lord. And, and I go, man, we, we, we set our attention. We, we research things that are important to us. And what we discover about Zechariah and Elizabeth is that walking with the Lord was important to them. And we know that. Because they search the scriptures. And I go, for, for us, man, do we, do we really want to be, to, to be blameless in the sight of God? And that only happens by the blood of Jesus covering us. But, but, but my, 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 my assumption is that, that when, when that really takes root in our heart, when we really understand that we've been covered by, by Christ and his blood, that he has saved us, that there is a longing in us to please him. We don't obey these things to, to get his favor. We don't do these things to, please, to, to make him like us. We do these things in response to what he's done for us. We search out the scriptures. And we create space in our day, in our schedule to, to read this. Why? Because we want to please him. And I go to, to, to think that, that we're haphazardly just going to please God and, and we never spend time in the word. You're foolish. You're deceived. They search the scriptures. Let's keep going. Verse eight. I love this. Some really good stuff here. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Listen to this. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you're to call him John, John the Baptist. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There's some good stuff here. I love that he says, your prayer has been heard. What prayer? Prayer for a baby. You know, the first thing that we learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth, how we serve the Lord as we search the scriptures, the second thing that we learn is the priority of prayer. You know, guys, God cares about the desires of your heart. Especially when they're, when they're pure and when they're good. And I want to encourage you, keep praying. Don't give up praying for those, those good desires of your heart. It says that they were very old. 
How old do you have to be for them to use that description of you in the Bible? And I love this because I think that what God wants us to really know is that, is that he does things that we are not capable of doing. That our God does things that don't make any sense. That he is God, that he can do anything. And you see this in Zechariah and Elizabeth. Man, they, their eyes set on the Lord with a desire to walk with the Lord, to please the Lord. They also kept praying for those desires of their heart. Guys, keep praying for those desires of your heart. What are the good things that, 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 that you want to put into this world that reflect Christ? Man, is it to be married? Is it to, to have kids? Is it to have grandkids? Is it to have a, a, a job that you love that, 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 that employs other people? What are the good things? And I encourage you, if we learn anything from Zechariah, it's not to suppress those things. It's to keep praying into those things. God hears our prayers. And it doesn't mean he always gives us what we want, but if we learn anything from Zechariah and Elizabeth, it's that we can keep praying for these good desires of our heart. I've been praying for my parents. My parents have been divorced 17 years now. I've been praying, God, would you, would you let them reconcile? Man, God, would you, would you let there be forgiveness? Man, would you, would you let them be cordial? Would you, know, would, you, would, you, would you let them make things right in this life now? And, and I'm going, how, how, how long should I keep praying for this? It seems like my prayers are going the opposite way. And I go, guys, what are the, what are the prayers in your heart that reflect God in this world? Keep praying for those things. God loves doing things that are impossible, that, 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 that God does things that we are not capable of doing. They're very old. It's not possible for, for, for people in this stage of life to have kids. How did it happen? Because God, you serve a God that does the impossible. God that specializes in the impossible, a God that stretches us, that teaches us about his heart and his capabilities in the impossible. What are the impossible things going on in your life? God's been encouraging me to think about that, that his, his, his record with doing the impossible. I've been reading in Exodus, talks about God bringing his people into the, Israel, into the land of Israel. And he says, I'm going to displace people that are bigger and stronger than you. How does that happen? The weaker person never wins. It doesn't God's count. I think about our office space, our, our, our church staff. You know, we try to operate mean and lean as a church family so that we can be generous in our city. And one of the choices that, that, that we've made is that, that we're gonna just try to keep walking with the Lord, whatever comes our way. Several years ago, we get kicked out of our office space. We didn't know what we were going to do, but we felt like God was just inviting us to wait. Guy from our church family owned a company and he said, hey, why don't you come, come work out of our office space? And it was so far from ideal, <laughs> but we worked there among a lot of his coworkers that were unbelievers. And we, and we waited and we waited and we waited. A guy, uh, a family from our church heard about our situation, bought this house <laughs> in the middle of downtown Nashville. Let's us use it for free. It's like, What? How is that even possible with God? Guys, the, the things that seem impossible, the mountains that are in front of you, the desires, man, do not give up on those things. Pray. Because the alternative is not to pray. It's to operate as if God is not powerful. 
The alternate is, is to, to give in to the enemy. But as God's people, we rise up. We trust that, that God is still the mountain mover today. And so we, we, we learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth to walk blameless before the Lord. Encourage, it, it, it requires us to be people that search the scriptures, that pray. And the third thing that we learn from them is that they walk by faith. You know, verse 17 says, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. That is the, the last verse in the Old Testament. You know, so you, you flip and you look at Malachi and uh, it looks like, you know, okay, there's just one page here. You know, I just have a little page that says the New Testament in between my Bible. So it can't be that long. No, for 400 years. 400 years between the, the, the last line in the Old Testament before anything starts happening. You see, the Jewish people who, who followed the Old Testament, who clung to the Old Testament, it was, it was their everything. The Jewish people were far from perfect. We gotta give it to them. We gotta give this to them. They live with this expectation that God was gonna do what he said. You see, God in the Old Testament, he makes all these promises to his people. You know, that, that, that one was going to come in Isaiah chapter nine, one of the scriptures that was, read, that was read this morning, that the government would be on his shoulders. And so the Jewish people read that and, and they didn't get all sentimental about it. They, they literally believed that there was gonna be a day where God was gonna bring the Messiah into the world and literally he would be king over the whole earth, that, that his government, like the American government, right? That his government would spread and fill the whole earth, that, that his ways, that his justice and his righteousness and his peace and his truth would, would fill the earth. And the Jewish people believed Isaiah chapter nine wasn't just some sentimental feeling. They believed that it was true that God was actually gonna do this. The Jewish people believed in, in the prophecies in Psalm chapter two that one was going to come and he was gonna crush his enemies. Destroy all those who are in rebellion. And for 400 years, they hadn't seen it come to pass. For 400 years, God had not done what he said he was going to do. And that didn't make them apathetic. That didn't make them unbelieving. No, it stirred them to believe that that day was only closer. They were expectant. Why were they expectant? Because God said it. So communally, the Jewish people for 400 years in the waiting, Waiting is painful, isn't it? No one likes waiting for anything. <laughs> We've been so conditioned to, 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 to want things and to get them immediately. To wait and to wait and to wait. What does God do in the waiting? I don't know, but God does something there or he wouldn't make us wait. <laughs> that there is something about the waiting that, is, that develops something in your soul and your heart to trust in the Lord like nothing else can. In the waiting, what did they do? They kept doing what the Lord asked them to do communally. And we, we miss this, but I think it's important. It says that, that Zechariah went into the temple to burn incense. Well, why, why were they burning incense in the temple? Because it was an indicator that, they that the community believed that God wasn't done. You see, them, them showing up and, and, and showing up to temple and, 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 and doing the sacrifices were them showing God, we actually believe that you're not done with us. We actually believe that you still have more work to do and we're still waiting. 
You know, we're living in the time where it's been literally 2,000 years since Christ left the earth. And he told us that he's going to return. He told us he's going to return the same way that he left. In Acts chapter 1, it says that, that he ascended into the heavens. The clouds covered him. He says, I will return. The angel showed up and said he will return the same way that he left, that, that one day Christ is going to come on the clouds. He's going to appear on the earth. And when he returns, he's going to destroy Satan. And he's going to defeat all those who are in rebellion against him the angels and principalities that we cannot see. He's going to destroy all those who, who are rebellious against him. When he returns, he is going to defeat death once and for all, that, that he is going to raise the dead. Think about this. I love Romans chapter eight. I was reading this a couple mornings ago. This is what Paul says. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption of sonship. The redemption of our bodies. In this hope we were saved. Who hopes, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I go, when, when Christ returns, the, the, the adoption is made final. The redemption of our bodies comes. I go, think about this. The, the, the adoption is made final. I've, I've, you know, I, I, I've, I've walked with some, some families that, that we love that, that have, have experienced adoption. You know, right now, where this is uh, National Adoption Month. Foster Care Awareness Month. There are kids all over our city waiting to be adopted. Man, waiting for, for, for someone to say, I want you. I want you in my home. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. That There are these kids that are, that are, that are waiting, that are longing. And, and the way that it works, you get paired with, with, with kids, especially if you do this internationally. You don't get your kid immediately. There's a waiting. You've been selected. You've been chosen. You've been given the name. But, but there hasn't been the reunion. I go, We're, we find ourselves in this time right now. You've been given the name of Christ. You've been covered with his blood, but, but you have not experienced in full what you will experience with God. The adoption, being with God in Christ has, has not fully happened yet. It says the, the redemption of our bodies. I go, you think about our, just our bodies, the, 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 the sicknesses that we face. The older we get, the, the weaknesses. You know, I think about one of my friends who's, who's losing hearing. One of my friends who lives with chronic pain. One of my friends whose wife died of, of, of early onset dementia. And, and I go, man, when, when, when Christ returns, our bodies will be renewed. Our physical bodies will be renewed, will not be marked by sickness and weakness, will not be marked by, by death, that when Christ returns, death is overturned. That there's no longer a, 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 a need for you to take your blood pressure medicine or your Synthroid medicine, or your mental medicine, or whatever it is that when Christ returns, our bodies will be renewed. And I love this, because it's so encouraging to me. Finish the story, verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel, standing in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent 
and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he'd seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. And the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people, the word of the Lord. And and, and I'm so encouraged by this because Zechariah, you know, we, we like to think that we would respond in faith. We would respond the exact same way. <laughs> he missed it, you know. Gabriel shows up, invites him to be shaped by faith, to be a man of faith, and he responds with doubt. We would do the same thing. <laughs> but we learn from him. That's where we started, Romans 15. Emma wrote that, that we learn from the past. That the Lord, you know, I love this. Even in his grace, he doesn't show up to Zechariah and say, you know what, Zechariah, because you didn't believe, you no longer get the kid. (laughs) What grace. That even in the weakness of his faith, God's kindness is still on his life. But you see that the thing that the Lord wants us to understand is is to, to be people who respond in faith. In this season of Advent, For us to be people of faith, you're going, people of faith of what? Man, Christ died for your sins. In Christ, you're a new creation. The old Keegan is gone, the new is here. That there's no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ. That when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. That all authority in heaven on earth, on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations. When, when we hear these words of God, these promises, these instructions, and we are moved to action, we live by faith. You see, faith is so much more than just scenting that, yeah, I believe that, that God died for me. No, it's, it's letting your life be shaped by that. You see, when we live by faith, we live with confidence. We live with with this posture of thanksgiving. We live with this posture of purpose. We live as bearers of hope. See, John, Baptist, Elizabeth and Zechariah's son, he was not the Messiah. He wasn't the the long-awaited one that that was gonna come. He was not Jesus. But they recognized that God in their midst was doing what he said. They had the ability to connect the dots, to to realize, oh, Malachi. Oh, God's keeping his word here. They had the ability to see in their life that God was active, that God was working to keep his word. And I go, God gives us glimpses of this all the time. It's why praying prayers, I think, is so important because answered prayers is one of the most beautiful, effective ways of God communicating to us that he keeps his word. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek me with your whole heart. When we pray and we get an answer to a prayer, it's God's way of showing us, man, that he's doing things among us. When, 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 when we read the scriptures about Jesus' first coming and we see that all these prophecies will fulfilled in Jesus, the virgin birth, and his son being called out of Egypt, him being called a Nazarene, all these scriptures, when we see them, Isaiah chapter 53, what we realize is that these promises, these prophecies were fulfilled 
but they were spoken hundreds of years before Jesus. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, man, they teach us to serve the Lord through being people that search the scriptures, through people that pray, that people respond in faith. Here's what I want to do. I want to just give us some, some space here in just a minute to, to share and to talk, to take communion together, to pray for each other. But I want to invite you to do this first. I want you just to, to close your eyes if you feel comfortable. I'm just going to give you like 30 seconds. I'm just going to start this prayer. And I just want you to, to listen. Listen to what the Lord shows you. This is not the Lord condemning. This is not the Lord. This, remember, you're a new creation. This is the Lord showing you places to grow. So let's pray. God, thank you for this family, these men and women, these children. And God, we are, we, we are your people. We are here this morning because just like Zechariah and Elizabeth, we, we are waiting on you and we believe in you. And right now, I just want to ask you a question, Spirit of the living God, and I just ask that you would reveal to every single person here, man, woman, and child alike. God, is there any place right now that, that you want me to live by faith in you that I'm not currently? Maybe it's our past, having a hard time believing that you've covered our sin. Maybe it's our future, having a hard time trusting you. Maybe it's with our finances. Maybe it's with our career, with our family. God, is there any place that you want me to live by faith that I'm not currently? Just pay attention. Just listen for 30 seconds. Lord, would you help us to respond by faith in the things that you revealed? If you didn't reveal anything right this moment, I pray that throughout the rest of this day that we would keep asking you out of a desire to really please you. God, please show me. Is there any area where I'm not walking by faith? Help me. Reveal to us, God, we want to be your people. We want to be your church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.